screen. Yeldon, 30, 25. Make 20, a man miss. Right. He's going to go. He's yes. Utah shovel pass in the middle, picked up by Darius, Marcel Darius, Darius to the 15, he spins to the 5, touchdown! Must win to make the NCAA tournament, Sexton, got it, he got it, he got it! Here's Tua, stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, Alabama, Devontae Smith! Touchdown, Alabama! I'd like for the people to remember me as being a, a winner, because I ain't never been nothing but a winner. What's going on, guys? Uh, welcome back to another episode of the uh, Crimson Crackers podcast. Uh, we're coming to you this week with a, uh, a little Sunday special, a little, uh, you know, a little, a little baptizing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to church in a while, but uh, I do know what a, bap- a baptism is, so early sunday special yeah um we do have a lot of topics we need to go over uh you know that happened over this past week but i think a huge a huge uh announcement needs to be made and a congratulations for ryan uh, because of his first birdie he ever made yep it was on the uh 17th hole um i was playing you know probably okay the whole the whole uh, round of golf and then uh, well, we were actually doing the scramble. It was uh, me, Tyler, against Eli and his dad. And uh, we were – did we – were we tied going into that hole? We were tied. And it was it, it was a 17th hole we played, but it was the 8th hole at Ballantrae. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I said so. Yeah. It, yeah, 8th hole, but it was really the 17th for us because um, we played the, the, back, the back nine first. Um, we're tied going into the hole and then I hit my shot and it just like, literally it's a, the, the, uh, a very long par three, um, choose my five wood. Um, uh, and I hit it literally like five feet from the hole. Yeah. And as we're driving up there, I'm, you know, everybody's like, you're going to get your first birdie. You're going to get your first birdie. And all I'm thinking in my head is like, I'm going to choke this. I'm gonna choke this. It was a, uh, and the pin was on the back, so you had to go over like two slopes. And um, I remember you playing with an orange ball, and it and it had like maybe like five scratches in it. And I was like, damn, is he about to make a birdie with a range ball? <laughs> and uh, I remember playing with you. I think it was like two years ago. Just just to clarify, like he does, like you don't play that much, but like you you're able to like score every now and then. So yeah. two years ago, I saw you make your first par on that same exact hole. With mm-hmm. up and down, and then, and then on that same exact hole, you make your next birdie, your your first birdie, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and like the the probably like the amount of times I played since I made my first par has been like probably like four times. <laughs> you lost you lost one ball in that round, and most of the time you lose like eighteen. Yeah, it's my game has changed. Basically, well, <laughs> you're evolving. I'm evolving. <laughs> Like the well, next month, if I play every week, I'll be on the PGA Tour. Well, in two years, it, by that by this match, yeah, two years, two years. first hole in one on that hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations to that. Uh, you know, maybe one day I'll figure out uh, how to hit a golf ball like you. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, 
again, a lot of stuff happened. Um, but talking about what happened last, you know, this Saturday, this weekend, I'm in the USFL playoffs. We're in uh, Canton, Ohio, uh, home of the the bronze statues that are that look pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, so those two games were played. Um, the Generals lost to the Stars, which got me pretty upset. Uh, the, the Generals beat the Stars twice in the regular season, and then they lose to that bum-ass team in the playoffs for no reason. Yeah, so the Generals nine-game win streak after losing – after dropping their first game to the Stallions. And uh, with, um, I want to say, three minutes left in the game, it really looked like um, when the uh, Generals got the ball back that they were going to – they were gonna. It was gonna. They were gonna seal it. But then they were making these. What was it? It was third and ten, and they subbed out uh, DeAndre Johnson for uh, Perez. And they were. I guess it was an obvious passing down, mm-hmm. and uh, Perez got hit while throwing the ball, and and it got lodged up in the air, and the guy, uh, just you know, DB just picked it off, and oh my goodness, like. Well, not not a fun way for the game to end. No, it wasn't. Uh, I I love the the two quarterback system, but it really screwed us at the end. Um, it was a weird game because there were two punt return touchdowns. Uh, in the second half, and the the end of score was nineteen to fourteen. Yeah. What 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 game in history has ever had two punt return touchdowns, and the score is nineteen to fourteen, or below twenty. Yeah, it's wild, and uh, like you said, like yards are pretty hard to come by. But uh, you know, at, like every time I watched a punt, it was like it was like it was being returned for a touchdown. I was like, I wonder where these head coaches are looking at the uh, special teams coordinators if they have special team coordinators in the USFL. So yeah, um, I'm pretty upset. Uh, the Generals were the best team in football after Week One, and it it didn't turn out well. So. Uh, it was a great run for this for this organization, uh, but they they probably run out of money and can't play football anymore. Yeah, and then the uh, the Stallions. Um, I was like so excited to watch the game after watching the the Generals game. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm totally gonna watch the Stallions play. Completely forgot about the game. Uh, <laughs> watched Guardians of the Galaxy and then looked on Twitter and found out that they won 31 to 14. So I'm such a great fan. I know that. Um, but yeah, uh, Stallions are going to the championship game, and uh, yeah, it'll. Uh, I guess we'll see. Because I'm not. I'm, I, we'll see who wins it. I'm not watching it. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we will see the score. Um, I'll be rooting for Bo Scarborough. Uh, yeah. that's really all I give a shit about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a fun ride for the. It was a fun year for this league, and uh. Yeah, rest in peace, the USFL. Yeah, it, it'll probably it won't probably be uh, going next year with the uh, what is it the USFL be be alive? Yeah, and, uh, well, you got like the you got the XFL, you got the UFL. I don't know, you got like a an a triple X FL team probably. Yeah, the XFL is going to be the ones that are like actually backed by the NFL. So, you know, that's, that's all that matters. Money. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh yeah, so it was a it was a fun day for football, but um, the NBA draft happened. I believe it was maybe Thursday or whatever. Uh, it was one of the worst days I've ever had as a Knicks fan. 
Um, it's like you have so much potential to do something or to make moves to get Jaden Ivey, but then you just end up getting cap space for Jalen Brunson, which is a yeah, guy that's like – he's like a number three on any team. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, they're, they're putting so much into uh, Jalen Brunson to be like their star player, and he's a – He's a good point guard. He is a good point guard on a Mavs team, but he is not. I don't. Yeah, you're right. Like he's like a number three. I don't see him being like the number one star. Um, it's just like you're you're the New York Knicks. What? Why are you stooping that low? Yeah, and I want the Nick. I want the Knicks to be good. But if we're just supposed to be like the laughing stock and entertainment of uh other franchises, then I guess that's just how it has to be. Because every every year it happens. Um. I don't know why you keep Julius Randle. He's not going to do anything for this organization. Uh, when you score 35 points a game and you can't even make the playoffs, I don't really give a shit how good you are. Yeah, so they acquired three picks, but they're protected. So if they fall within, um, like, the top three or something like that, then it goes back to the team that it – or goes back to the – yeah, it goes back to the team that it belongs to, mm-hmm. which is, like, you don't – if you're going to – if you're going to trade for a, a pick, you're wanting – unprotected because that's more, more valuable than protected so they're literally just looking at like uh late lottery picks yeah and um all these knicks fans they're saying like the only way that this franchise could be saved is is if we get Kyrie, which is something i'm not really I'm, i don't really want to do at all uh i'm i'm i do not want to be a, a fan of a team that just gets evolved around a a, a nutcase like that yeah, he's uh he's definitely falling off the face of the earth. Uh, funny thing that uh he would probably fall off the face of the earth because he believes in, uh, in flatness, flat earth theory. Um, uh, really, in in my perfect future of the Knicks, I just want to see us. I just want to see what RJ Barrett can do as the guy, and maybe get, maybe you know recruit a couple players to come in and maybe beat the Celtics and Sixers every now and then. That's that's all I can hope for, I guess. Yeah. Hope for maybe maybe making the playoffs again in, like, <laughs> six years. You know how tired I am of looking at the New York Knicks Instagram page, and it's just a bunch of pictures of uh, Evan Fournier. Oh, my gosh. That's just – He looks like a ho- he looks like a homeless man that you would find in, a, in Los Angeles <laughs> on, on Venice Beach. He's probably like every other person, every other surfer dude on Venice Beach. Uh, yeah, but the Knicks, they found a way to somehow make their team worse. Um, but if you look at a couple of these teams, I, I feel really good about what they did, especially the Thunder. Um, yeah, I think the Thunder are the winners, uh, winners of the draft easily. Um, yeah, of course, they finessed the uh, – they finessed the uh, the Knicks and getting that number eleven pick, which I didn't know he was like that seriously that much valuable, that much value. But uh, I mean, they got Chet Holgram. Who else did they get? They got like two other really good players. Um, all, all I know is that they got Usman Diang and they got uh, Chet Holmgren, which I thought Holmgren was going to go number one. I thought, well, I thought he was the number one player in the draft, and I think. You know, Chet, he's going to fit really well with, you know, Shy Gilgis and, you know, what they have going there with all those young guys. Uh, they, they're going to stink for a little bit, but they're I like what they did. I'm sure Chet will probably get hurt a couple times. He'll probably have to put some weight on him 
uh, until he'll, you know, I don't know, build up some strength because with the NBA, you know, guys that are fairly skinny, they're going to be like, you know, glass, just like Bull Bull and company. My new Bull. But I think I think Oklahoma City is a good a good diet state or diet city. I think. Yeah. What do you think about uh, um, Benchero going to Orlando? I I think he, if if Orlando's going for like wanting to build a young core, I guess that's okay. Uh, I don't see how in any way Benchero is more valuable than Jabari Smith. No, I don't think, I don't think so. I think the Jabari's number one, but uh, I don't know. I just think uh, Benchero is just like he's like a uh, a complete like a I don't what would you say like Ben Simmons and not a score Bagley like he he's just a, he's a good basketball player, but that doesn't that doesn't win you championships. If yeah. you watched if you watched the the finals. You need you need shooters and you need scores and you need good defenders and I think Jabari is is all that. Yeah, like, um, yeah, Jabari. He, I've seen him so many times when I watch uh, Auburn games. He just threw up a three like KD, and it would just go. You would it would leave you completely shocked that that shot went in. You're like, wow, this dude's gonna be a, a star. Um, you know, if he's consistent, yeah, he will be a star. Um. And then, you know, Banchero, it's just like, you know, who knows? You know, he has the skill set, I would say, as long as, you know, as long as he can dribble and shoot the three, he, he'll fit right in uh, to the NBA. But if, he, if he's going to, you know, shy away from the three-point, and, and uh, then he could be another Ben Simmons. Yeah, it would be weird to see Orlando just like, turn out to be a really good squad. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody cares about them down there anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, the Rockets with Jabari, I think that's a good, I think that's a good fit with Jalen Green. What's his, is that? Jay, is that Jalen Green, yeah, right? Jalen Green, there's, yeah. there's like 10,000 Jalens now in every sport. It is, it is <laughs> so annoying. And all of them are Green or, or uh, Duran or Smith. Jalen Smith. Um. Yeah, Jabari is. I think he's the next. I don't. I don't know if he's the next KD, but he's going to be the closest thing that we've seen since. Uh, you know that that uh that spider monkey's uh, been in the league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I like what the Warriors did with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, you know he put up good stats with Milwaukee, which, you know Baldwin he was a uh he was a five star and he went under the radar just because of the talent he was playing and um. The thing about the Warriors is once you have those those scores and you have great defenders like Green and Wiggins, you can really do whatever you want from a draft draft perspective, and it yeah, looks really can, good. It looks really yeah, good you, for what you, you do. You can take risks like what they did with Patrick Baldwin. I mean, yeah, he, he was a five-star coming out of high school, and he just chose to play for his uh, dad's – where his dad was coaching. Um, and, yeah, you kind of underwhelmed his uh, – of uh, what was expected of him. But, you know, that's – kind of what happens sometimes and uh who knows you know he he gets to golden state and you know gets developed by their great coaches and you know he might might be a you know a little uh, a diamond in the rough 
Yeah, the big the big thing like I take away from this draft is uh just you could draft a player and you can manage your situation that you're put in, or you could just entirely screw your your organization and its future, which is what the Knicks did. So <laughs> um I can't wait to see what, what next year holds when uh when we draft um Bruce Pearl's son off the bench or something. <laughs> maybe maybe get John Calipari uh John Calipari's a grandson in the uh for the second pick all right so um so so another big news while we were out on the course um arch manning going down to austin get some of that nice brisket and get one of them nice cars he's he's playing at texas or he's he's committed to texas for now and um well, it would have been fun to see him at Alabama, but I think this turned out as a, about as good as we could uh, expect. Yeah, probably the best situation um, for everybody. Um, he's not going to Georgia. You know, yeah. nobody wanted that. Um, he's going to Texas. Um, you know, yeah, it would have been cool to see him come to Alabama, but at the same time, like, uh, I think it's – I think it was probably – it was writing on the wall that it was going to happen because we have – you know, not even a month ago, we got a quarterback commit for this uh, this uh, 2023 class. So, um, yeah, him going to Texas, it'll be interesting. Uh, Quinn Ewers is, come, is already there. Um, he'll be a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or redshirt freshman. I mean, either way. Doesn't yeah. matter. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll see how that works out. You know, he's a former number one overall recruit. Um, and then, you know, who knows if, if, uh, Quinn Ewers pans out or when Arch, if Arch does sign with Texas, when he gets there, will he, you know, will he exceed expectations or will he, you know, drop below the expectations and, you know, cause he's really got like his expectations are through the roof. Like, They'll probably have him, like, winning the Heisman his freshman year, something like that, and, you know. But, you know, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you have so much pressure on you. I mean – I do, yeah. Your quarterback room is – if Arch Manning does sign, your quarterback room is stacked. Um, It doesn't doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt your recruiting one bit. I mean – everybody's going to want to come, you know, all these receivers and running backs are going to want to come and offensive linemen are going to want to come. But, uh, so that doesn't hurt your recruiting at all. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of pressure for Steve Sarkeesian, uh, in year two, um, and beyond, uh, if he, I'm, I'm sure if he doesn't win nine games this season, they're going to probably be calling for his head. Yeah. Like every coach they do, uh, with Arch, I think he's I think he's gonna fall below expectations. Um, and I think Quinn Years is too. Texas has this huge problem of bringing these guys in and, and calling them the savior. Yeah. They they have this perspective of like if we get a quarterback, he's gonna change everything. And it's kind of been that way since Vince Young won those titles and you know, you had Colt McCoy and ever since then, like you're not gonna win championships with Garrett Gilbert. You're not gonna win championships with Gerard Hurd. Okay. Yeah. You need guys like this. And, um, you know, even though these guys are really good, I don't think the rosters that they have are going to be able to 
play on the same level that their quarterbacks are. So for me, like I think, I think Quinn Ewers is maybe going to be on a Sam Ellinger type level when it comes to, you know, production. Uh, I think Arch Manning could be better than that, but again, as you said, these expectations are going to be ridiculous to him. Um, he's not going to play a single snap probably in his freshman year, and he's just going to be the only thing people talk about uh, on Longhorn Network, which is a very sh- which is a very shitty channel. Yeah, it's not 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 worth a damn. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, Quinn Ewers might be like half a step. Could be his potential is like half a step ahead of of Sam Ellinger, or just equally Sam Ellinger. Um, but yeah, it'll. I don't know it. Because Sam Sam had good pieces around him. Um, he had he had a uh, let me see little D Johnson or something. I don't know. Deontay well, Foreman. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey. Lil Jordan Humphrey. <laughs> <Listen up. laughs> you got to put Lil. Uh, now with Quinn, you know, you have B. John Robinson, which I think he's probably the best running back in the country. You got Xavier Worthy. He's a, he's a solid receiver. He's not as good as people, as people, you know, say he is, in my opinion. Um, but when it comes Forgetting to getting the Jai Hall, Eli, he's going to be the next greatest wide receiver out of Texas. <laughs> Academic All American, Heisman winner. Uh, yeah. yeah, philanthropist, everything you want in a man. That's the Jai Hall and Jaleel Billingsley. Oh, yeah, um, I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Keelan Robinson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Texas, they. They need to build around their quarterback. They don't need a they need a quarterback, but they need to put an emphasis on getting offensive linemen and keep attacking these uh, you know, these these skill positions for the quarterbacks. Um so if they did that, they would probably they would win games like maybe fifty eight to forty eight. I don't know. Because they don't Yeah, they don't their, defense. their defense still needs a lot of work, I say. And here's the thing, we we talk about how uh all right. So, oh, they're going to Texas. They're not going to Georgia. We don't have to worry about we don't worry we don't have to worry about Arch, you know, against Alabama. Well, I mean, ain't it? I mean, Texas is going to be joining the SEC at some point pretty soon. It's not a confirmed date yet, but I wonder if if there's going to be a time where Alabama and Texas are competing for, you know, for an SEC for an for an important spot in the SEC where Holstein and and Manning are uh, are battling it out. Yeah, it'd be weird to see. Um, but again, thank God I didn't go to Georgia because I would be shit in my pants. <laughs> um, so we we went through a couple of topics where it's uh, you know, it's pretty fun and um, it's it's pretty interesting to talk about. But uh, the there was a bunch of like politics that came out last week, and um, we're not going to really talk about them. That's not really something that you know, you shouldn't do in a sports podcast, I guess. Uh, so, like, it was all the Roe v. Wade stuff and how, you know, abortion and all that stuff. But we've seen it – we've seen this before in sports where politics can take over um, – can take over sports talk and, can t- like, take over the minds of, of athletes. So, I think it's important to, like, you know, figure out the median of where politics fits in sports and, uh, you know, where this might – where these like the events of last week or the past few days might, you know, affect sports in the future. Yeah. So right now I would say that, you know, 
take ESPN for example, everything that happens politically, yeah, um, it's all on ESPN. You know, it's you can't escape it. It's just like ESPN is like CNN plus. It um, is, yeah. So yeah, I mean, people don't like that, and um, but you know the other the, then you have another side that's like why aren't you speaking on this issue uh mm-hmm. so and so and you know but the median i would say is just be equal or be ne- neutral and just don't don't bring it up uh don't bring it up um in a setting about you know what people Sports. are trying to yeah just people are just trying to watch this uh, sport to relax and get away from work and you know politics and everything like sports sports is what um back in uh august of 2020 like literally uh uh I was, black lives matter yeah yeah it was it 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 shifted from you know everybody in the country being you know so um like disgusted with everything with covid and everything and mm-hmm. then the nba you know thing came back on and it was obviously they pushed everything. it super heavy yeah but at the same time basketball games were still being played and baseball games were being played so it was you know you had because we had like three four months without any sports and that was like you know a breath of fresh air um but now it's you know we're still, you know, pushing, 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 pushing uh, politics into sports. Um, yeah. Not to say that, like, no one should have any belief on anything. It's just like when you shove something down somebody's throat, they're, they're just, it's not, you're not, you're not helping somebody reciprocate or, or get on your level. It's just, you're, ignorant. you're almost like pushing some, yeah, you're being ignorant and you're just pushing somebody away. Yeah. Um, I don't really like when it comes to this, I, I could disagree and I could agree with certain viewpoints of people, but I think people, I think everyone needs to respect the, the space of what sports holds for, you know, the American public and may, just basically the entire world. Uh, sports is like, it's, it's an escape for, for millions of people. And um, I understand that a platform like sports can, can promote what you want to do, promote like what you want to fight for in, in the world. But uh, there's just many other ways to do that. And I just think that sports is sports just needs to be needs to be mobilized into something else to where it doesn't become a distraction for for stuff like politics, Um, which I'm not trying to sound like philosophical and magical here, which is something that really pisses me off that people do where it's like, no, don't do that. No, no. Oh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's annoying. Um, like you have every right to, to speak about what you want in this world and about what you want in politics. But I just think there just needs to be a basic understanding that sports is sports is created to, to show competition and to entertain people. Sports got to where it is. Uh, it, you know, it wouldn't be where it is today if it were, to, uh, you know, people putting putting politics into it. Like, it's gotten to where it is today for a reason. And I think a big problem with it is like these organizations have 
they're very scared of politics. They they're they're afraid to neglect or reject certain movements just be, just based off of you know the popular majority. If the popular majority is fighting for something, uh, the entire league is just going to cling on to that. Yeah, because they don't want to be they don't want to be the people that are like, oh y'all, you're silent for this. It's like, wow, we're not watching you anymore. Yeah, and a problem with that is the people like there's some people in the league that might might not agree with what the league is trying to represent. That's not fair to those players who who are who are employees of of that company. Like Jonathan Isaac stood for you know he stood for the national anthem during the uh, you know Black Lives Matter stuff. Well. He shouldn't be discriminated for what he believes and like the emphasis on on Black Lives Matter and that that the NBA put on the world like that shouldn't force Jonathan Isaac to, you know, deal with discrimination or harassment. Yeah, and I remember three games after he did that um, or after it was like put on social media, he actually tore his ACL and the comment section were like, yeah, dude, you deserve that for not uh, for not uh uh standing in solidarity for black lives matter and i was like are you serious and the thing is he wasn't even it's not even even disagreed with black lives matter he was just standing for something even larger than humanity to him yeah. and how are you like how are you gonna talk to him and disagree with something like that on such a personal level which yeah. i mean that was two years ago and that's not really i mean that's i mean it's not really it is important to now nowadays what we're seeing with politics but uh now I'm afraid what's what's going to happen with with what's coming out now, and um, you know the NBA and the NFL are just going to take complete advantage of of all the money that they can. So it's a shame, yeah. um, you know how politics is has formed sports into what it is. Uh, but you know we're going to keep talking about sports, and and maybe maybe sports can can make a turnaround and uh, you know change the morals. So. Yeah. Uh, Important talk, important speech. <laughs> it's like we're a TED talk now. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, moving on from those topics, um, we're going to go to y'all's, uh, to the most new section of, uh, of our show, um, Wheel of Impersonation. Welcome back to another segment of wheel of impersonation um it's going pretty well first two times so we're uh, going back around for a uh for a triple so um as y'all if this is your first episode listening this is how the rules go we have a discussion point and then uh he has an impersonation i have impersonation on a wheel and then uh we just let it we just let it flow like a like a current <laughs> okay so uh let me see. I'm going to do my wheel first. Lou Holtz. Oh, ball coach. All right. Yours will be Matthew McConaughey. That's, you didn't want that one? I got really two bad ones. I, did, I didn't do good. I didn't think right one. <laughs> okay. Um... So the discussion point will be what NBA team would you want to play for or want to get drafted by? All right. You know my favorite team. They're local, but they're not too local. 
the Dallas Mavericks, all right? You know, I like Luka. Me and him would go well, all right? And, uh, you know, we got to put on for the state of Texas. Go Longhorns. Hook him. Hook him. Um, I think we could do uh, we could do some smooth things in Dallas. Wish Austin had a team, but hey, that's all right. All right, all right, all right. I tell you what, man. Why the hell you want to play for the for the for the Dallas Mavericks? Okay, <laughs> you actually think Luca's gonna be that good? Okay, if I had to pick a team, I I coached in I coached in Indiana. I'm going with the Pacers. Okay. I've always been a huge, huge fan of Larry Bird and his his ownership. And Miles Turner is a big man. I like big men, okay? Listen, I like I like cars. I like I like seeing wheels turn. All right, my friend Mark May. I like him. I like to see him on the team too. He fit real well with our scheme. Um, but uh, I tell you what, man, I, our Indiana Pacers with me at point guard beat the shit out of your Luka Doncic and Matthew McConaughey. Stupid Texans ass. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you very much. A little bit of John Gruden. I tell you what, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I hope you all enjoyed that uh, Will of impersonation. Um, I hope Lou makes another comeback because that's uh, that's one of my favorite ones to do. I love Lou. I was really bad with the math. All I knew how to say was all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Lincoln. I drive my Lincoln down the car. I'm driving my coach at Marshall. I my book, Green Lights. All right. So, uh, you know, moving back to y'all's favorite segment now. Uh, Interrogation. So we're back with another segment of interrogation. Um, the basic five question uh, concept. Um, so we're going to jump into this first question. Uh, if you if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, our our dear beloved uh, Joseph Biden was riding a bike and he fell <laughs> off. He wasn't even driving. He wasn't even riding. He fell off in the when he was when he was uh, completely stopped. But uh, speaking of of presidents and uh, you know bicycles, which president, which U.S. president would win in a bike race? If if all if all U.S. presidents were in a bike race, who would win? I think the smart choice would probably be like Theodore Roosevelt because he was like a boxer. But uh, I want to go with a fun one, and I'll say Bill Clinton because he probably had some serious stamina. Uh, with uh, him, you know, fooling around with uh, Monica uh, Lewinsky. So, yeah, Bill Clinton, he's probably going to, you know, he'd probably uh, be able to do it, do a little short bike race because uh, he's uh, definitely sexually active. That's a very good point. Um, well, my first instinct was to go with uh, William Howard Taft because if, if because he's really fat and if you're going downhill – Oh my god! I believe I, I believe the theory of if you're really fat and you're going downhill, you're going to go faster than everyone else. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's real science or if it's possible, but um, my realistic pick is Gerald Ford. Um, he was like an all-American at Michigan, and uh, I think the least he can do is beat the shit out of a bunch of seventy-year-old men in a bike race. <laughs> so, uh, maybe the worst one would be Abraham Lincoln. 
because I, I think it's a thing that we're like tall people have a have a uh, have a harder time like moving their legs. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, so give me a give me forward. Give me forward. Here we be. He's falling off the bike. He couldn't couldn't make it twenty feet without falling off the bike, Joey. <laughs> what are you doing? You doing, Joey Biden? Okay. Uh, all right. So the second question is. Uh, what animal needs to be a mascot that isn't one? And we're talking about uh, college football. Um, off the top of my head, I'd probably say like, I don't know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I guess I'll I'll go and go. Um, I think a Komodo dragon would be a good mascot. Those thing, they're like, they're. I mean, they're pretty small compared to like a deer, but they can like eat a deer, like nothing. These yeah. things, things are badass. They have like poisonous slime, like their saliva. Yeah, the Alabama Komodo dragons. So uh, I already know one school that has this, but I mean, they're not like a, a serious program. So I would have to say the uh, the ant eaters. Okay the anteaters i mean there's their freaking tongue and their snout so dang long it just looks like a funny little thing and if you've seen it run it's just like a it's hilarious you ever seen a tapir you know what a tapir is it's something close to that right yeah they got schlongs that are like maybe three yards long <laughs> yeah the all the the Alabama Komodo Jackson's dragons versus the Auburn Tapirs. Yeah. The the eight hundredth rendition of the Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. <laughs> okay. So uh so the third question is um what's a summer activity that you don't understand that other people do? Uh so I heard yours is pretty good, but um all right, so my summer activity that I just don't understand is prop. It's gonna. I mean, obviously, you you'd hear this and be like, well, "Fuck, that makes sense." Probably, um, probably, uh, probably a summer camp. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's obviously you know summer camp. I mean, yeah, it's it's can't, kids can only go when they're not in school, but. In reality, if you live in the South, it's like, yeah, let's send my kids to um, the camp and just let them burn the hell up, uh, get all this sunburn and everything. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you're probably doing like fun activities, but at the same time, like your kids probably like going. I mean, if it's like fat camp or something, them kids are like, it's just like hell, hell for them. Um, but yeah, just uh, making your kids sweat. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing wrong with it, but uh, it's just, it's a, uh, it's an interesting route, I would say. Yeah, uh, Camp Rock though, Camp Rock is fun. <laughs> um, so one thing I don't really understand, I guess it's like it's a huge Alabama thing, is uh, like people hanging out in a Walmart parking lot with all their trucks and cars. It's like, again, as you said, you're sweating your ass off, and then like you're just in the middle of a parking lot when you could just be like sitting at home or hanging out somewhere with an air conditioner um there's not a toilet nearby if you have to shit you have to like walk an awkward distance to the walmart to like poop um 
and they always turn out in fights. Like, what's like, why the fuck would you just want to like box in a in a fucking parking lot? Like, how if you if you just look back, like, how barbaric can you be? Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I have, if I ever find myself just hanging out in the in a Walmart parking lot, I have to look back and like see, like, what the fuck am I doing here? It just doesn't make any sense. So to clarify what I was saying, uh, I just realized uh, it's not more of summer camp, but it's more of like a vacation Bible school for like uh, teenagers, like, you know, um, kids in high school going on, you know, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess vacation Bible, something like that. Um, Christian camp. Christian camp, basically. Yeah. Um, You know, like half those kids aren't going uh, to worship Jesus Christ, half those They're kids are going. Parents, no, half those kids are just trying to get their yeah. nutter butters sucked off. I mean, like they're trying to go into while they're everybody's singing Jesus camp songs. Old uh, Carrie old Underwood, Beth, old Carrie Underwood. Mary Beth wants to uh, wants to take Jimmy into the bathroom and gobble his knob. Like, come on, <laughs> come on now, <laughs> literally. Uh, I think a better place to hang out would be like a Sonic or something. That's all, that's that's perfect. or like a, a Denny's. If you ever seen that, uh, you ever seen that rock concert in a Denny's? What the fuck's up, Denny's? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Y'all should look that up. Um, so for the fourth question, we're going we're going to look out in the universe. Okay, do you believe in aliens? So, yeah, I would say I do believe in aliens. I, I, I sent you a TikTok, uh, it was probably a while back, and it was just like the sheer size of the universe. And, you know, yeah, we're in the Milky Way galaxy, but apparently there's like a trillion more galaxies, uh, some ridiculous number. And it's just like, we have all this space and to think that we're probably the only ones it's like you know it sounds like a joke so i would say yeah i think there are other there are aliens in this um in wherever fucking else wherever else wherever we are yeah where the hell where we are in this black hole yeah um i'm i'm gonna go with you i think the percentages favor aliens uh i'm not saying humans are ever going to contact them or they're going to destroy our world, but I'm, I'm going to go and say that there's extraterrestrial life just based on, you know, the odds of how, yeah, how huge this place is. Um, you would just, I don't know. You just sound stupid and say there's nothing else out there. Yeah. I'm sure like you go to other galaxies, like you see on movies that they're like green people and stuff like that. I don't think they're like that. I think they're probably like, they're like, probably they look like humans but they're like super super advanced you know but you might not even be able to like see them that's true they, they could just be like i don't know like they could be different sizes they could be giants they could be they small could be very tiny they could be very smart very stupid yeah Anything. i don't know but i i think something's out there i'll, I'll say that uh, um so with the last question um would you rather be an nfl gm or a, a head coach so I thought about this, and I like instantly thought NFL head coach. But then I realized, like, if they, you hit, if you have one bad season, you're done. So I'm gonna say a GM because you're at least guaranteed like three years. Um, 
at the minimum, a GM is at least guaranteed three years, unless they like seriously, like seriously screw up like a draft, one draft. Um, but yeah, I'll say uh, a GM. I'm gonna go with head coach. Um, again, with the GM, like you said, you you have a better chance of being having a more sustainable, you know, set or sustainable future. Um, but I've always loved the X and O's of, of football, and I like the idea of of an organization corralling a team together and giving you the responsibility of 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 taking it out on the field and, and winning with that team. Uh, you know, building character, building person, like building chemistry and stuff. Um, you know, player relationships. I think would be a big part of it. I would. I see football from a uh, from a like a a man to man perspective and not just by you know, money signs, which if, if I had to, if I had to manage a, a, uh, a roster from a financial perspective, I would not know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I would like, seriously, when they, when it comes down to money, it's, it's, they're, they're so good at their job, but when it comes down to like, you know, say like drafting a certain player, they don't know what the, hell they're doing right so i think i'd have i'd have a better opportunity of of success or enjoyment if i was just out there calling plays and and building relationships with uh you know the media coaches and fans so um but both ways i think i think you can uh i think both ways have their pros and cons um so i hope you enjoyed that uh segment of uh interrogation and now we're going back to the original the traditional top five Top five, top five, top five. All right, so we're back with another uh, top five segment. Um, we're going to stay on the same path with, uh, you know, Alabama topics since this is a uh, an Alabama podcast. Um, so we're going to go with this week. What are the top five players you wish signed at Alabama? And um, we talked about – we both, like, discussed the years of our players and that kind of time frame and all – and like all of them sit in the uh, Saban era. So just to let y'all know that. But we're not going to go out and say like Leroy Jordan shit. I, like I wish, I wish Pat Sullivan went to Alabama. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, you name your five and then we'll go down from there. All right. For number five, this is coming out of high school. I thought he was going to be like, I thought I was like scared for scared for my life because I thought he was just gonna tear it up at a uh, Ole Miss at number five Shea Patterson. Um, I was like, you know, if we could, if we if he if he was instead coming to Alabama, I think we could like, literally, this is like when I'm fifteen, we're fifteen years old, and I was like, oh my god, he could, he's gonna be the next NFL quarterback. Um, so yeah, Shea Patterson. Um, look at him now, he uh. New Orleans really plays for the breakers really bad. Plays for the breakers. They just got a job. Yeah. Somewhat getting paid um, probably 15,000 a year. Yeah. So my number five is uh Derwin James. Hmm. Um, so I'm looking at it from the, like from a perspective of, all right, they were a really good player. And at the time that they would have been in Alabama, it would have been like insane. So, uh, Imagine, imagine a defense where you have Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick at safety at the same time. Yeah, and um, really Alabama during those years, uh, you know, Clemson and Alabama really took all the dogs, I guess you could say, from defense in the country. Yeah. And, but Derwin Derwin James was an exception and went to Florida State. 
And I really thought Derwin was like, he, he was one of the best defensive players I've seen in a while. And um, if he would have went to Alabama, it would have been, it would have been one of the best secondaries maybe ever. Yeah. So yeah, give me Derwin. Uh, for number four, I have Miko Hardman uh, coming out of uh, coming out of high school. He was he was he literally chose between Alabama and Georgia and chose Georgia. And I was so upset because I totally thought he was coming to Alabama. And he turned out to be, you know, pretty good at Georgia. I mean, yeah, yeah I'd say probably decent at Georgia and then goes to the Chiefs and becomes like really, really good there. So, yeah, I mean, I think he would have. Um, would he have excelled in our system uh, at the time? Probably not. Probably, like, if he were to come to Alabama, like, today, yeah, he would obviously excelled in that system. Yeah. But in, like, 2015, 2016, probably wouldn't have excelled um, because we weren't – we were, you know, still run, 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 run the ball, run the ball, and play action. Um, but, yeah, Miko Hardman – Miko Hardman – um, I was pretty sad when he didn't uh, when he didn't choose Alabama. Yeah, that was a good player. Uh, my number four is another Georgian, um, Deshaun Watson. Uh, now I really wanted Deshaun out of high school. Uh, I knew that AJ was leaving, and at at that point, it would have been it would have been good to have a really good bridge quarterback from AJ to you know maybe Tua. That time span would have been nice to have Deshaun. Um, they wouldn't have lost the game. Uh, physically, he's one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in college football. Um, very poised, very athletic, fantastic arm. Um, he threw a lot of picks in his junior year, which was his last year. But, uh, I'm, I mean, I was shocked that he, he was that good at Clemson and never won a Heisman or was never really close to it. So, you know, I wish, I wish Deshaun was a, went to – I wish he went to Alabama. Yeah. Um, for me, number three, it's going to be Leonard Fournette. Um, I think his top three was Alabama, LSU, and Texas. Was it Texas? I, I was getting confused that it was like Texas or Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember watching it on the, cause he did the Under Armour, uh, reveal thing. That was before the Sugar Bowl. Before yeah. Before Oklahoma. And it was, I mean, it was pretty obvious he was going to go to LSU because, um, you know, he was very familiar with the place and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, like, total man coming out of high school, bald head, yeah, just like John Robinson. Um, yeah, just like a, a tank. Um, but, uh, yeah, he did – he did. He did. He did. Uh, he did a couple of good things at LSU. Oh, he did a couple of great. He was a. He was a man. <laughs> I know. Probably, I know Alabama. You know, took care of him, and he he ran for thirty yards. But that dude was one of the most dominant players I've ever watched. He would have did some insane, even more insane things if he probably would have went to Alabama. Uh, yeah. But we probably wouldn't have had you know Derrick Henry do what he did. So uh, that all... that day he he ran over Auburn. That was one. That was the scariest I've ever seen a defense play, especially was, in the SEC. He was running over whoever the hell he wanted, and he was getting an end zone every single time. I saw that game, and I was like, "Oh my god, we might give up 200 rushing yards." Yeah, and we gave up 30. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's get back. Uh, number three was uh, AJ Green. Hmm. Again, I'm going with the idea of 
what if what if AJ Green signed with Alabama and we had AJ Green and Julio Jones out there at the same time? There would have somebody would have always been open. And I mean, every D ball would basically be a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, AJ Green was a great receiver at, at Georgia. Um, the rest of that offense was was good too. Yeah, no Sean in the backfield and Matt Stafford was was, you know, an all American type talent. Um but AJ, it was always those those years. It was always AJ Green and Julio. You know who's better? But in reality, I think they're both the same person in in college. And if we could have had the opportunity to have those two on the field at the same time, we would have, uh, you know, we would have broke the scale on you know what Alabama's offense could be and what it should be. Because at the time, we we were just running it. And imagine a imagine a play action game with two of the greatest athletes ever at receiver. Yeah. Um, for one, my two, yeah, two. For my number two, I have uh, Nakobe Dean. Oh, um, he he was very close to uh coming to Alabama. It was either it was between Alabama, Ole Miss, and Georgia, and he chose Georgia. Yeah. Um, I just I just think uh, even then I was like devastated that he didn't choose Alabama. Um, and um, just to see how his career turned out. Had a really, really, really good, good, good career at Georgia, and I just think like what he could have done for us because, I mean, yeah, like, you know how we had you know the true freshman, um, Jalen Christian Harris here, yeah, yeah, like that that probably wouldn't have happened, um, we wouldn't have had such a, a miscombobulated uh linebacker depth after uh after a Dylan Moses went down, I could just imagine like Nakobe Dean stepping in there and neutralizing everything. And, you know, just, you know, being the captain of that defense. I mean, you have two guys, you have Dylan Moses, that can be a captain of the defense and you have Nakobe Dean that could be a captain of the defense. And that would just have been insane. Yeah. Nakobe, it's, it's hard to find guys who have the, who have the IQ, of a middle linebacker and the physicality to run side to side uh, from sideline to sideline. And Nakobe was, you know, I don't like to boast Georgia players, but he was, he was a great linebacker. And um, I haven't seen somebody like that since Ruben Foster, you know, played for us. Um, yeah. Nakobe would have been raw. Uh, I sound like a, I sound like a uh, raw. I sound like a 10th grader. He's raw. Uh Number two, we're on number two, right? Yeah, I just did number two. Okay, I'm, I'm going number two, uh, Leonard Fournette. Um, yeah, I knew we were going to have this. So, uh, as you said, he was a man, bald out of Louisiana. Uh, you would see these these highlight videos out of high school where the team would be walking out of the locker room, and it's like, wait, why the hell is that? Wait, why is that a uh, why is that like cop wearing a uh, why is he wearing a uniform? Why? Why is that coach uh, that running back? It's like, no, that's just a uh, that's just a steroid filled bull, <laughs> ready to run over whatever he wants. Um, again, we would have been in a backfield where we have Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette, and you, if you take if you take Derrick Henry off the field, you're not getting a break. Yeah, you're not. If we if we could just hand the ball off every play and it would be done. Um, I think it's been a while since we've had two running backs 
take over college football or be such dominant forces. Um, which in that year, you know, Chris McCaffrey was good, but like just Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry were were like men compared to boys, and uh, it would have been awesome to have him too, especially if we could steal him from, you know, the boot. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, for number my number one is gonna be like pretty surprising, but like this dude's size is just ridiculous. Um, I think, I think we could. I think I might know who you're talking about. I, I thought we were going to have the same one, but I don't think we are now. My number one is Brian Brzee. That's a good one. He he. All right, so he hasn't really, you know, done much yet at Clemson. Injuries. He's been injured. He had a 10-sack season. But, uh, yeah, injuries is kind of lingering him. But his size, and he's just like – you look at him and he's like, that dude lives and breathes football. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his highlight tape, but he, it's like he was going against like fourth graders. He was throwing kids. <laughs> I'll say this. He kind of was. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, some Maryland. Like, 2A, 2A yeah. Maryland. Yeah. Like, uh, it was it was still it was, impressive. Yeah. It was like, okay, this is something you don't see every day. Um, but yeah, like he's just a, a very scary looking human being and, um, size is just off the charts. Um, but, uh, yeah, at the time he was coming to high school, I was like, yeah, we're going to have problems with this dude if we meet in the, you know, college football playoff. But yeah, I would have loved to see him line up. Um, well, he, he was, that's 2020, right? Yeah. We never played him. Yeah. So um yeah that, that that class it would have had will anderson um brian brzee and then <laughs> that would have been insane drew sanders too well he would have probably played defensive tackle so you imagine that you could put him anywhere on that line that that dude can like how do i say this imagine imagine like aaron donald doing backflips yeah, or doing the splits. That's that's Brian Breezy. Uh, now he he's not as dominant as he was in, as in high school because of course it's a different level of talent. But I, I just remember watching him in high school tapes. Like he would just tackle the center and the quarterback at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> like he would just reach over the center and tackle the quarterback. So someone was doing like this inside report on him, and they were just doing like inside the life of Brian Breezy, and he bench pressed. 225 at least 58 times. I was like, this is not, this is this is unreal. He's a nutcase. I don't know what else has come out of Maryland from that. Um, my number one, uh, you're talking about a man who's who's physically like gifted, like Brian Breezy is. I don't think there's been a more dominant looking player from high school to college than Jadavian Clowney. Mm. That's my number one. Uh he he was built like an NCAA robot. Like he's the guy you build as a defensive end, <laughs> just a monster. All of them. And if you, a lot of people just remember him from that hit against Michigan in the uh, in the Outback Bowl. But no, he was doing that about every third play. He like he was a damn monster for South Carolina, yeah. and. Uh, he didn't have a really good relationship with Nick Saban and recruiting. I don't know why. Maybe because I don't know. He just kind of want to stay home and be with the Gamecocks. 
he can handle pressure, but I've never wanted somebody with that talent to be, I've never seen somebody so talented on the defensive side of the ball um, in high school and then in college. Uh, so give me Jadavian Clowney. He would have, he would have wrecked shit for us. Uh, even though our defenses were already amazing. Yeah. It's like, Oh crap. I, I, I got away from Jadavian Clowney. All right. CJ Mosley is coming after my ass. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, we're just going to step down, but not really. Oh crap. Oh, I got away from CJ Mosley. Oh, now I gotta, uh, now I gotta get past Landon Collins. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you know, David Clowney, uh, he was one of those uh, perfect uh, five stars, I think, two, four, seven. But um, we're pretty tired. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed that, uh, enjoyed that episode. Um, we're going to come back maybe maybe soon next week. We don't know yet. Uh, and get into more uh, more politics because that's, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Again, glad y'all listen, and uh, you know, I hope you have a good one. Jim has been down, he's been out and around, and he knows where it's at. Nothing be good if you thought that it could, but it isn't like that. He don't make mistakes. What it needs, it takes. Jim gets all the breaks, cause he knows how. To